1: You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy Podcast, Episode 29. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy Podcast with Dr. Abby Medcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Relationships Made Easy Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Medcalf, and we're going to get really to it today talking about what to do if your partner is controlling. Last week, we if you didn't listen to the episode, it's okay, uh, but we did talk about what to do if you're controlling, if you're a control freak or a control enthusiast, as I like to call myself. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about uh, your partner, if they're controlling. And today, we're going to go over uh, four key things. One is what controlling behavior is really about, the most common controlling behaviors. So these are the things to look for, the key traits of a controlling person, the other things kind of to look for, and my top six tips for dealing with a controlling partner. You know, I always leave you with what to do, always, always. So today I'm going to start, before I start, actually, I have to give a little caveat. And that is when I talk about your partner being controlling, I am not talking about any kind of domestic abuse, violence, or extreme emotional duress here. I'm not speaking to of someone you're physically afraid of or who is terrorizing you in any way. If that is you, you absolutely need to find professional support and start working on this issue. It's it's big. This is any internet advice or podcast is not going to be the ticket. So if you're listening right now and this is you, I'm imploring you to please get professional help and not look to the internet or something more passive to help you it's it's not it's not where uh, I want you to be if you're in physical danger okay so uh, so I'm gonna jump in the podcast now I just had to give that caveat first and the really wh- who I'm speaking to is all of you out there who, write to me all the time and are part of the tribe. And, you know, I hear you on Facebook just saying, you know, you have a partner who's maybe jealous or controlling in other ways. Um, and I'm going to go over all that today. And and this podcast is really for you as long as it's not in some uh, huge extreme. Okay. So let's talk about control. There's a big difference beti- between being controlling and being in control. Being in control, that's awesome. I love that. It means you're self-aware, you're confident, and that your self-esteem is strong. Self-esteem is strong in you, young Jedi. Being controlling is unhealthy. It's actually a sign that you feel out of control, that you're living in some fear state and that your self-esteem is relatively low. Yeah. If you have a partner who's really controlling, their self-esteem is actually kind of low. And I know that can seem shocking because they're, you know, ordering you around and telling you you're doing things wrong and all that, but that doesn't come from people who feel confident and clear in their world. So that comes from people who are feeling out of control in some way and are trying to control everything they can. So and now in a romantic relationship, controlling behavior is often couched as being helpful, giving suggestions, advice, you know, to make your life better. In reality, it's criticism, fear, and manipulation. You can call it whatever you want, but that's what it is. It's someone trying to get you to match their expectations of how things should be. Now, sometimes controlling behaviors obvious. Uh, I don't want you hanging around with that guy or you know, you need to be home by six for dinner every night. Uh, you can't have the credit card. I don't trust you with it. I don't want a wife who works. Uh, you look ridiculous in that. Here, wear this. You're doing that wrong. Can't you do anything right? These to me are very obvious signs of someone who is quite controlling. But There are other times it's harder to identify because it's done really so commonly that we often don't even think of it as controlling behavior. So you might hear things like, uh, are you sure you want a second helping? Do you think it's a good idea to go out this late? Uh, Make a left up here. It's quicker. I know quicker route. Oh, here's a better way to chop the garlic. Let me show you. Is that what you're wearing to the interview? How many drinks have you had tonight? Did you get to the gym today? He should know what I like after 10 years of marriage. She knew that would upset me and she did it anyway. I was just trying to help. That's my favorite. Uh, Any of these, if you're hearing them in any way, yeah. There's control present. So now there are many ways your partner might be trying to control you. And I want to ask if you recognize any of these behaviors or patterns of control. So one is micromanagement, you know, where your partner has an opinion on every little thing you do and the right way to do it. Two is dishonesty, where your partner lies so they can do what they want. So maybe they're hiding money or keeping you in the dark overall about finances. Uh, maybe they lie about something they're doing if they think you'll disagree. That's a lot of passive aggressive stuff here with the dishonesty. So, you know, well, I'm just not going to tell my wife I'm doing. I'm, I'm out with the boys. I'm going to say I'm working late or something because I don't want to hear her crap. You know, that kind of thing. Um Three is manipulation. You feel manipulated into doing what your partner wants, although you often don't realize it until after. That's kind of common with the clients I work with. This could also be when uh, they minimize something that you're saying or doing um, in order to get their way. Uh, They could be saying something like, if you care about me, you'll blah, blah, blah. You also might hear number four, something that's, uh, this is really for parents out there, but being overprotective or the helicopter parenting. If you have kids and your partner is controlling with you, it's a sure bet they're also controlling with your kids. And this is usually maybe how it shows up um, that you can really notice. Number five, this pattern I see a lot is emotionally bullying behavior. And this can look like constant criticism, taunting, or gaslighting. Now, I do want to say a quick word about gaslighting since I've had so many people ask about it lately. In a nutshell, a person who is gaslighting, they try to make their partner doubt themselves and their perception of reality. So the Person who's gaslighting will go to great lengths to convince their partner that they're that they're overreacting. You know, they'll minimize serious things, they'll dismiss concerns. Uh, you know, oh, you're making too much of this, that kind of stuff, or they'll very confidently deny truths, events, or memories. You know, they'll say things like, "Well, that never happened," and I don't know what you're talking about. That's not what I said at all. They'll literally just straight out say it really confidently, even though you were right there, you saw it, it, it you you heard it, or whatever. The person who is gaslighting will then declare usually like their own thoughts and feelings as the gospel. So they have the truth and they're going to give it to you. So you don't have the truth. They do. Um, And that's all part of emotionally bullying behavior. Number six is interrupting or speaking over you. And again, you can kind of put this in the bullying behavior. It, it is to a degree. And I don't mean that they never interrupt or speak over you, but if it's happening all the time. And I do want to give a little caveat to this one in the uh, a cultural context. In some cultures, uh, it's very common to interrupt. And not only is it common, it's a sign of being engaged in the conversation. And I will say in my own home growing up, um, That It's a very kind of Jewish thing to do where you're maybe talking politics or just life or whatever. And there's a way of being very engaged that has a lot of interrupting and a lot of like, oh, yeah, and then talking about yourself and then bringing it back. And of course, I always have to be careful this with my clients. Some of my clients are listening right now laughing at me. I have to think about it all the time because it's, again, this way I show love. It's this way I show that I'm listening is by, uh, you know, kind of getting in the conversation in that way. So, and um, my partner right now is laughing too, because he knows I interrupt him. Uh, And it's just something I've had to explain to people around me that, This is part of how I was socialized to show I care. So I've, of course, come to know that that's not the way we, you know, are not a great way to show we care and that it's important to let people finish speaking, et cetera. So, um Anyway, I do I do want to throw that one out there because I know I've experienced it myself and I've had other culture, people from different cultures also mention it to me when I've talked about it. So I'm throwing that out there. Okay. Number seven is making decisions without asking you. Uh, this is a pattern of behavior of control. You know, maybe they uh, buy a car or always decide where you'll, where you'll eat or buy tickets to events without really consulting you. Uh Number eight is nagging you about something, usually a health concern like food or you're smoking or, you know, your diabetes or you're checking it often enough, whatever, uh, that kind of stuff. Another pattern of control uh, is a, and a big one that I hear a lot about is jealousy. And jealousy is all about your partner's insecurity and fear. It has nothing to do with you they're feeling inadequate and they're letting you know that their self-esteem is low. That's all jealousy is. Uh, Jealousy is not a compliment. It's a warning. You should take it as such. It is a person letting you know that they are unsure and feeling really rocky. Now, I do have clients and I've had many over the years who go out of their way to try to make their partners jealous because they themselves are feeling all these things. They're feeling inadequate. They're, they're feeling scared. They're feeling unsure in the relationship. Uh, this is not a way, there's nothing loving about jealousy. There's nothing vulnerable, open, connecting, nothing. You it's, it's like taking a drink. It'll give you a quick hit, a quick solution to something. It'll make you feel good. Maybe in a moment, Um, but it really is detrimental in the long term. So uh, definitely think of it that way and really work on it. If you're someone who tries to inspire jealousy in others, it's a a big problem. Okay. And lastly, the last pattern I see commonly is uh, that a controlling person will often attack you when you confront them. So when you draw a boundary with your controlling, let's say, partner, And you say something like, hey, you know, I don't appreciate you speaking to me that way, or I don't want you to talk that way to me anymore or do that anymore. They can sometimes attack you and say things like, well, why are you yelling at me when I was just trying to help? Or (laughs) they might even accuse you of being controlling. Uh, you can't tell me what I can say or feel. You're being controlling. They they literally might flip the script and turn it back on you. Not uncommon. And I hear it a lot from my clients. So these are the most common ways I see control show up in partners. Uh, and you might notice one or more of these in your partner. So keep listening. <laughs> now, I before we get into... Um, what to do if you're, if you're in a relationship with a control freak is I, I, I want you to just hear some of the key traits of a controlling person so you can better understand them and I hope have some empathy and compassion. And that is that first and foremost, control freaks rarely know that they are one. They believe they're just helping you with their feedback or suggestions or by finishing something so it's, you know, done right. They they often don't see their controlling behavior as a symptom of their own anxiety. And if you listen to the last podcast about being controlling, control is all about anxiety. That's all it's about. It's anxiety, pure and simple. It's anxiety, fear of abandonment. It's anxiety, uh, maybe just your own insecurities, your fear that you're not good enough. It, it's all these other things. It's it's not, it doesn't have a place in a love relationship uh, because it's not loving. Anxiety is at the root of all control issues. It is. And so for example, with our children, let's say I'm a mom and I get real controlling with my kids. And it is because of anxiety about my, you know, children maybe try like right now, vaping is so huge and it's everywhere. And I'm freaked out about that and don't want my kids trying that or experimenting. So I do. I'm super controlling around some of this stuff. I am. Now, it's very different to be controlling with our, our preteens and our teenagers or whatever and our little kids versus... Our adult partners. So I want to say that number one. Number two, it also, though, does it's important that I'm careful about how much I'm trying to control my kids' lives. I can't protect them from every danger. And so much of parenting is really allowing them some freedom to try things out and to see if, you know, to give them some rope and hope they don't hang themselves and hope they don't get into trouble. But uh, so much of my job as a parent is mitigating risk to a degree, but also allowing my children to take risks. So it's, it, it's a toughie, I got to tell you, uh, it, you know, and it's a constant kind of pendulum and battle back and forth. So I certainly don't profess to be perfect at it, but I do want to say that this things, but it's really rooted in anxiety, right? That I want them to be uh, healthy, happy, great people. I don't want them to die, you know, doing some stupid teenage thing, uh, all that stuff. I'm trying to, I'm trying to cope with that anxiety while helping them be great people. So, but at the core, there's some anxiety. And, When, But let's go back to partnership. So when your partner is feeling controlling, this is this anxiety, this anxiety makes them feel internally out of control. They have some sort of thing going on and they internally feel out of control. And that's what drives them to find something to control to make them feel better and back in some sort of power. And that something is you, among other things, because likely if you have a controlling partner, they're not just controlling of you, they're controlling of other things too. Uh, So... That's the first thing I want you to know about key traits of a controlling person. And the second piece is that controlling people often can't understand why you see things differently than they do. They haven't even considered that there's another way of seeing something. So if you see it a different way, then you're just simply wrong. It, if you And if they feel really passionately about something and you disagree, then they'll get even more upset. You might be deemed even, you know, stupid, ignorant, immoral, obnoxious, you know, you might get some horrible labels because they're just so wedded to this idea and so sure that they're right. So, so sure. And they, you'll hear them say things like, well, polite people do X, you know, so in other words, if you're a polite person, the only option is that you act in a certain way. Uh, rude people always why, you know, loyal people this, it's unprofessional to blank, you know, they, they use those sort of blanket terms, and these kind of large, you know, overarching themes a lot. And because they have this kind of code or this rule, and that's it, that's it, It, it the buck stops here. So. And then the last piece is that controlling people generally have pretty low self-esteem and are terrified of being vulnerable. And this is one of the reasons they can get angry when you don't follow their advice. Have you ever had this with a controlling partner and they tell you to do something, you don't do it. They get very upset often. When you don't do what they've said is right, their self-esteem takes a hit. So they lash out. And they might say things. Um, my favorite is, you know, uh, why do I waste my time giving you advice when you never listen? That kind of thing. Uh, even if you take their advice a lot of times because it's good, but that one time you don't, right? You get this sort of uh, reaction. Now, and I tell you these key things because I, I, again, I'd like you to have some empathy, some thoughtfulness about any controlling person in your life. That it's not just about them being an asshole. It is about, or a jerk, or stubborn, or whatever. It's really about you seeing who's underneath all that, about connecting to the person who is desperately, by the way, trying to connect and really not doing a great job of it. But this is the way they know. Okay. So ah, what do you do? So if you're with a control freak, what do you do? And I have my top six uh, tools for, uh, for what to do if you are with a control freak. Now, number one, before anything else, is you have to figure out your boundaries and you got to stick to them. Now, your first job is to determine your standards. What do you need to be okay in the world and in this relationship? Now, I will say this, boundaries are a huge deal. So I'm actually going to be discussing them in detail in Next week's podcast. I'm gonna, so it's kind of like this is a trilogy. You know, last podcast was what to do if you're controlling. Now it's what to do if your partner is. And then I'm gonna talk about boundaries because that's really a key to all of this and really deserved its own episode. Uh, Otherwise, I was, this one was gonna be, you know, 10 hours long and I didn't want that. So I will talk about boundaries more, but you do have to figure them out and you gotta stick to them because that's number one. So If you don't know those yet and you want to wait for the next podcast, then that's fine. You can still use the other five tips I'm going to give you, but there you have it. All right.
0: Number two. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
1: Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on
0: linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Tip number two is don't try to control a control freak. <laughs> Talk about paddling upstream. Trying to assert control over someone who's determined to hold on to it is completely pointless. I need you to step back and check in with yourself. Ah, take that breath. Exhale, people. Exhale. It's up to you to be different. You can't change them, you can only change yourself. And this is all about responsibility and again, understanding your boundaries and sticking to them, but taking complete responsibility for your space in the relationship and what you're doing. So you it's true you can't control them, but you can certainly control your reactions. You can control, right, to them and what they do. You can control your own personal set of boundaries and not allowing people to trample them all the time. Again, I'm going to teach you more about that next week. It's about you. But I have so many people have a controlling partner and they're bent on trying to change them and stop. It's not going to happen in that way. It's not going to happen with a direct frontal assault. (laughs) And instead, you being different is what's going to change their behavior and I say this over and over, it's really important to understand that as you change, as you react differently, as you're different in your world, the people around you react differently. They have no choice. They have no choice. What they were doing doesn't work. So they will either stop doing it. They will sometimes up the ante, by the way, and they'll get worse for a while because they're really pushing to see if you're going to stick to your boundary. But either way, something will change. You'll feel the change. And as that happens, the person will have to find new coping skills as this one doesn't work anymore. And I don't care how long someone's been doing something, they absolutely can change. This is, I work with addicts all the time, alcoholics and addicts, and I see them, people who have been using for a lifetime, and I see them change. They stop they stop. I did it. I, I had a, a horrible beginning to my life, and as far as drugs went, and I changed that. So and became a different person in the process of all that and the work I did afterwards. And that is absolutely true. It's what I'm in the business of. It, so when I hear people say, "Well, uh, you know, a leopard won't change its spots," I want to scream. I I want to be controlling. It, of course they can. Of course people can change. And I don't care how old they are, how long they've been doing it absolutely positively people change. And I see it all the time. I've seen thousands of people do it thousands, literally, literally. So I know it's true what I'm talking about. So don't get into your head into some self-fulfilling, you know, Oh, it's never going to change. It's been this way too long. You need to change. You need to be consistent. And that's how things are going to change in your relationship. Okay. Number three, tip number three, don't get into a power struggle now, this is related obviously to trying to control your control freak, but <laughs> i this is a little deeper. so control freaks love a good power struggle, love it, they know they're right, and they can't wait to prove their point to you and so and they tend to be. Excellent at arguing their points. It can suddenly seem like high-powered lawyers. You know that you're married to. You know you were married. You thought to a, you know I don't know a a Bart driver. You know a bus driver or something. And all of a sudden you're thinking, Am I married to a lawyer? We're we're missing some you know good good skills here. Uh, It's amazing how much their opinions, otherwise known, you know, they're well, let me say this, that your opinions, you know, Your opinions to them, uh, these are your feelings, your boundaries, this is what they call your opinions, will get lost or demolished in their excellent wordsmithing. They have clever language. They have ways they use words and turn them around. You're never going to win if you get into a control tug of war with them. So don't play the game. Don't even start. Don't do it. And again, this is why when you have your boundaries, there's not a tug of war. There's no power struggle. You're just being clear. There's a response and it's done. Okay. Uh, number four, and this is going to be, I think one of your biggest takeaways for today is holding on to a mantra. And I, like, so that you have the same thing they come back to over and over. And I like to use the, the, uh, I feel formula. The I feel formula is Pretty awesome, and it's one of my favorite tools. It works excellently here and is a tried and true technique. And I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can get it for free, all kind of written up. But I'm going to tell it to you right now. Super simple, but you do have to kind of you really have to stick to it. And basically, it's this. And it's been around forever. I did not make this up. This has been around forever. I just you know put it on a sheet of paper for for folks. Basically, what you do is your mantra is going to be: I feel when you, and I need, and let me, let me put this into action for you. So I feel, uh, overwhelmed, sad, upset. If you can stay away from angry and frustrated, that's great. But if you can't, you can say, I feel angry. I feel frustrated and try to just say a couple feelings. You don't have to list 50 when you, and now you have to say, it's very important to say the, I feel first, by the way. Don't start with the when you. Don't start talking about them first. Start with how you're feeling first. When you, and then you want to say what they're doing in a very specific, short way. Do not go on and on. When you, blah, 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 blah. And last week you said that. Don't go there. (laughs) But in the moment to say when you um, uh, seem so angry with me and won't listen. And I need, and then say what you need. And I need for us to sit down and talk about this differently. And I need to leave the room and I need to change the subject and I need whatever you need. Now, let me say a few things. So, and this is on the sheet. If you want to get the download again, abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast. This is, uh, you know, uh, this episode on your controlling partner, but let me say this. When you say the, I feel statement, it has to be followed by a feeling. You don't want to say, I feel that you should. Or I feel that, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's not I feel that. It's I feel and a feeling. I feel mad, glad, angry, sad, overwhelmed, you know, shy, uh, frustrated, anxious, (laughs) depressed, whatever you feel. You have to say that first. And it has to be a real feeling. So you have to get in touch with that. And again, if you can stay away from the only the angry feelings uh, and get to what's under them, anger, we talk about a lot as a top emotion. It's not the bottom emotion. It's generally fear, rejection, abandonment, uh, sad, overwhelmed. It's usually those kind of feelings that are under there. Uh, and then the when you so and then, of course, the controlling person is going to come back at you and they're going to say, well, I don't know. And you're using some psychological BS or you listening to Abby's podcast. That thing's a piece of crap. And they're going to say whatever they say. And your job is to stick to the mantra. This is your mantra. You just have to come back to it. They're looking to get into that power struggle with you. You're not going to have the power struggle and your feelings aren't wrong. And you need to understand this about yourself, that your feelings are not wrong, nor can you be told that they're wrong. So you just want to come back to the mantra and you want to say, Hey, I'm just telling you that I feel sad and overwhelmed when you argue with me in this way. And I need us to try a different approach. I will also say that sometimes you don't know what you need. Sometimes I'm in an argument, I don't know what I need. I'm just not there. So I, you can just do I feel when you. You don't always need the end, end I need if you don't know what it is. But if you do know, then throw it in. And again, the person might come back at you. Your partner might come back at you. Oh, yeah, well, you know, you say you need it. What about my needs? How about what I need? And again, just stick to your mantra. They're going to try really hard to pull you off course. And if you have to repeat yourself that many times, then maybe what you need is to say, and, and I need to stop this conversation because we're not getting anywhere. Or I need to stop this is starting to feel abusive. Or I need to stop and go wash my face. Or I need to go out back. Or whatever you need um, to to literally take yourself physically out of the situation because it's been going on too long. If, if, if you do this over and over and they just can't budge, and that's it. And then you've stopped the conversation. This is your mantra. You want to have a mantra. It's this thing you go back to. It's your go-to. And again, I'm going to link to it in the show notes so you can uh, get the little instructions for yourself. It's a little one page instruction. And I love the I feel formula. I just, it works so well. It's been used for decades by people, uh, definitely among my clients. And it's super effective and it's really effective here with controlling partner. Okay. I'm going to give you two more tips though. One is to check in with your gut. The next one, number five, check in with your gut. And if you listen to my podcast or read any of my stuff, you know I'm a freak for self-awareness. I probably say it in every episode. And this is another reason for it. You need to check in with your gut if you're with a controlling partner. How do you feel in a moment? Does it feel like your partner is just trying to persuade you in a thoughtful and open discussion or are you feeling pressured or manipulated? Persuasion and pressure are two very different things. So, if you're if there's a thoughtful and open discussion and you're, you know, your partner's just trying to persuade you about something that feels very different, but if you're feeling pressured or manipulated, your gut has the answer and you need to key into it in the in these moments so you know what's happening and can intervene on your own behalf you've got to start trusting that gut again depending on how controlling your partner has been and whether there's been some gaslighting and other stuff going on whether your partner is just like your mom or dad or you know someone else in your life that you've been recreating this relationship and so these habits are very entrenched whatever it is you got to start to trust yourself somewhere in this process. And checking in with your gut, checking in with literally how you feel in that moment will really go a long way to helping you understand, well, you know what? I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling pressured. I'm feeling manipulated. I feel depressed. I feel overwhelmed. When you're feeling any of those things, it's it again doesn't mean that your partner means to do this. It just means that you're feeling it. So something has to shift in the conversation. Something has to change for you to get to a place where you can have the conversation differently and feel like an equal partner at the table. Uh, so, whatever that is. Okay. And then, the, my last tip for dealing with a control freak if you're in a relationship with a control freak, you had, you know, figure out your boundaries and stick to them. Don't try to control them, don't get into a power struggle. Use your mantra over and over the I feel statement, the I feel approach check in with your gut. And number six is loving detachment. I've talked about this. If you've listened to my codependency episode of the podcast, you've heard me talk about loving detachment. And this is kind of the overarching approach I want you to have with your controlling partner. This is really the, I don't know if it's so much a tip as a way of being overall. And this means that you don't take what they're doing personally. Yeah, you don't take what they're doing personally. You do your best not to be uh, full of resentment and frustration. Instead, I need you to find the compassion. When we're lovingly detached, we find the compassion. We understand, you know, that our partner is hurting. That's why they're being so controlling. That it's not about you, it's about them. So hold your boundaries, but do it with a loving heart. Not, oh, that jerk or and, you know, that's withholding. I don't want you to withhold. Instead, I want you to just hold and hold your boundary, hold an intention of being loving. And that's really the key to healing your relationship. And it's also the key, by the way, to you feeling happier, more confident overall is to hold this intention of compassion, gentleness and love and hopefully have some little a little empathy you yourself are struggling in this relationship <laughs> and so are they. I know they can kind of come across as very, you know, know-it-all and they've got it and they're no chinks in their armor but the the more someone comes across like that, the more they're not really, uh, the more uh, a real mess they likely are under the surface. So it's your job to really think to yourself, wow, this is my partner. This is this person I've made a commitment to that I'm in this relationship with. How can I be there for them while holding myself in my own clarity, my own self-love, my own self-trust, all that, holding my boundaries? And how can I be there for them with that? And that's really about this loving detachment. Okay, that's it for today in the podcast. I am very excited that my book, uh, Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing, is now on Amazon. We will link to that in the show notes also. Uh, I would love it if you uh, checked it out and let me know what you think. If you can leave an honest review of, on Amazon, that would be amazing. I also always appreciate if you can leave an honest review about the podcast on wherever you're downloading it. That would be great also. And um, I'll see you on uh, episode thirty, where we talk about boundaries.
0: Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com.
2: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row, dreaming of something better? Well.